<laughs> Howdy, folks! It's your boy Prithvi, and welcome to the second episode of the Real Deal Podcast. Today, to help me out with this episode, I have my special and real good friend Rohit Shankar. What's up, people? My name is Rohit, and I'm a 12th grader by day and photographer by night. And anyhow, today I and Prithvi have a set of short tales of horror that are rather different from comparison to the stuff you find in movies and shows. These are taken from the R slash short st- uh, short scary stories. Fuck, <laughs> I'm fucking it up. My bad. You should probably expect this, right? Yeah. So these are tales which are taken from R slash short scary stories on the Reddit page. Anywho, without further ado, let us get into it, huh? Here are seven short tales of horror. This new old house by Reddit user Bat Out of Hell eight two one, narrated by Rohit Shankar. We bought an old house, my boyfriend and I. He is in charge of the new construction, converting the kitchen into the master bedroom, for instance. while i am on the wallpaper removal duty the previous owner prepared every wall and ceiling removing it is brutal but oddly satisfying the best feeling is getting a long peel similar to your skin when you're peeling from a sunburn i don't know about you but i kind of make a game of peeling on the hunt for the longest pieces before it rips under a corner section of paper in every room is a person's name and a date Curiosity got the best of me. One night, when I googled in one of the names, and discovered the person was actually a missing person, the missing date matching the date under the wallpaper. The next day, I made a list of all the names and dates. Sure enough, each name was for a missing person with dates to match. We notified the police, who naturally sent out the crime scene team. I overheard one text say, "Yup, it's human. Human? What's human?" Uh, ma'am, what is the material you removed from the walls already? This isn't wallpaper you were removing. I hate it when brother Charlie has to go away. Written by Horror in Pure Form. Narrated by Prithviraj Maithi. I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me how sick he is, and that I am lucky for having a brain where all my chemicals flow properly to the destinations, like, like undamned rivers. When I complain about how bored I feel without a little brother to play with, they try to make me feel, they try to make me feel worse by pointing out that his boredom likely far surpasses mine. considering his confined to a dark room in an institution i always beg for them to give him one last chance and of course they did at first charlie has been back home quite a few times each shorter in duration than the last every time without fail it all starts again the neighborhood cats with gouged out eyes showing up in his toy chest my dad's razors found dropped on the baby slide in the park across the street mom's vitamins replaced by bits of dishwasher tablets my parents are rather hesitant now using last chance sparingly they say his um, his disorder makes him rather charming makes it easy for him to feel normalcy and to trick the doctors who care for him 
into thinking that he's ready for rehab. <sighs> that I will just have to put up with my boredom if it means staying safe from him. <laughs> I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me have to pretend to be good until, <laughs> until he is back. Timekeeper by Reddit user Gridster2. He had been given the watch on his 10th birthday. It was an ordinary grey plastic watch in every respect except for the fact that it was counting down. That is all the time you have left in the world, my son. Use it wisely. And indeed, he did. As the watch ticked away, the boy, now a man, lived the life to his fullest. He climbed mountains, swam oceans. He talked and laughed and lived and laughed. The man was never afraid for he knew exactly how much time he had left. Eventually, the watch began its final countdown. The old man stood looking over everything he had done, everything he had built. Five. He shook his hands with his old business partner the man who had long been his friend and confidant. His dog came and licked his hand, earning a pat on the head for its companionship. 3. He hugged his son, knowing that he had been a good father. 2. He kissed his wife on the forehead one last time. 1. The old man smiled and closed his eyes. Then nothing happened. The watch beeped once and turned off. The man stood standing there, very much alive. You would think that in this moment, he would have been overjoyed. Instead, for the first time in his life, the man was scared. They've got the definition wrong. My Reddit user, or you. It has been said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I understand the sentiment behind the saying, but I'm afraid it's wrong. I entered the building and I bet I was strapped for cash and didn't buy into the old legends of the hotel to begin with, so 50 bucks was more than enough to get me to do it. It was simple. Just reach the top floor, the 45th one, particularly. Shine my flashlight from a window, and that's about it. The hotel was old and broken, including the elevator. So that meant <laughs> hiking up the stairs. So up the stairs I went. As I reached each platform, I noted the old brass clock displaying the floor numbers. 15, 16, 17, 18. I felt a little tired as I crept higher, but so far, no ghosts, no cannibals, no demons. Phew, piece of cake, I can tell you. I can't tell you how happy I was as I entered the last stretch of numbers. I joyfully counted them aloud at each platform. 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 44, 44. I stopped and looked back. Down the stairs, I, 
I probably had miscounted. So I, I, I continued. Up. 44. One more flight. 44. And then down 10 flights. 44. 15. 44. And so it's, it's been for as long as I can remember. So really, insanity isn't doing something repeatedly and expecting different results. It's knowing that the results will never change. That each door leads to the same staircase, to the same number. It's realizing you, you no longer fall asleep. It's not knowing whether you've been running for days or... Or weeks, or or even years. It's it's when sobbing slowly <laughs> turns into laughter. The Twist at the End by Reddit user Ali1267 Cradling my four-year-old daughter in my arms, all I could do was listen as the screaming outside the house got louder and louder. Interspersed with sound of violence and horrible, horrible wet thoughts, and the unmistakable echo of muscle and sinew resting the force that was slowly tearing them apart. It started just three days ago. Something happened out there in the world. And before we even get the news of what's going on, seemingly half of the world is gone. Police and military were unable to stop it. Providing such a short frame of resistance, it's hard to know whether it was real or just a fluke. There was no centralized target. No way to use our most powerful weapons, not without incinerating ourselves in the process. They poured forth across the world from wherever it was that it started. I hear banging on the door downstairs and the screams of people being slaughtered. Unable to mount a proper resistance against such a force, it doesn't take long before the pounding gives way to splintering and the sound of shattering wood. They are in the house. No more than a moment or two passes before the door to the bedroom starts shutting. The things I piled against it are holding for now, but I know realistically that they are going to manage to come through. I keep rocking my little girl, humming a lullaby in her ear to calm her as she cries. The pounding grows in force and volume. The frame starting to crack. I put my little girl on my lap, her back to my chest and I stroke her head with both hands. From the top of her scalp, down across her ears, just as I've done it ever since she was a baby. Just the way she loves it. The effect is instantaneous. Her desperate crying comes to a series of sobs and hiccups. Her small body shuddering against mine in fear. I keep humming to her, soothing her hair, acting for all the world as if nothing is out of place. Not a single thing amiss. Agonizing slowly in the reverse cadence of the sound of the splintering wood, she calms down. 
I can feel it when she stops tensing, as I keep stroking her down the sides of her head, a final hiccup of a sob, and she falls quiet. Her body is relaxed, and she doesn't even have the time to realize what is happening as I twist her neck with a violent jerk. Accompanied by a dry snap of sound, she's dead, before she can even slump down into my own lap. The door is giving away, the furniture is pushed back. I may be torn limb from limb while I scream, but at least my baby angels safe from harm. Their eyes are watching me. By Reddit user, Recludis. I bought a new house in the small town of Winthrop. The house was rather cheap, but the most important part was that I needed to get away from the city. A few months ago, I had a little run-in with a stalker. While I managed to get him arrested, I couldn't shake the feeling of eyes just constantly watching me. I felt like there were eyes everywhere, at home, on the street. So I decided to move out into the countryside, to somewhere with less people just for the peace of mind. The house itself was uh, big and somewhat old, but otherwise, very, very welcoming. The agent who introduced me to the house had been required to mention that a serial killer had lived there in the past, which is why the house was so cheap. However, he and uh, later my next-door neighbor, Sarah, both told me to pay no thought in mind. Four other owners had lived in the house since then, and all of them were pretty happy with it. I love the house myself. Its interior furnishings were beautiful and very, very comfortable. People of Winthrop were very friendly, often bringing over freshly baked pastries or inviting me over for dinner. Come together, they said, with a key to making sure everyone who lived in Winthrop loved it there. Yet, after a week, I stopped loving it. The feel of someone watching returned. Worse than before, I tried to ignore it, but soon I started losing sleep. Giant bags grew under my eyes and I began yawning almost as much as I breathed. Sarah was kind enough to let me stay in her house for a few nights. It, it was during this time that I heard the legend of the the legend of Forrest Carter, the serial killer who lived in my house. While no one knows his exact kill count, Carter, also known as the Winthrop Peacock, was a man with extremely severe case of narcissism. Legends say that he couldn't fall asleep if he didn't feel like he was being watched. He was finally arrested for putting up a scarecrow to watch him during the night. Only, it wasn't a scarecrow. Carter had murdered a 17-year-old girl just so her cops could stare at him. This story gave me shivers and after I went home, I felt like there were hundreds of pairs of eyes just watching me no matter how I turned. Today, however, was the first day that I acted out. I was cooking breakfast when I felt the eyes 
instinctively out of fear i threw my kitchen knife which lodged itself into the wall as i pulled it out i found myself staring at a pair of eyes pickling in formaldehyde i've been watching the police peel away the drywall of my house for four hours now so far they've found 142 pairs of eyes in little glass jars <laughs> the scariest thing is each and every one was staring only at me The Enemy by Reddit user AG underscore plus. I flung myself through the door and vaulted the toppled, long-dead refrigerator that served as an infective barricade in front of me. My legs propelled me through the room and into the small hallway on the other side. I couldn't stop to eat the expired contents of the fridge, appealing to me despite their strength after several days without food. The shrieks of pain and cries for mercy around me spurred my body onward and filled me with unexpected energy, in spite of my hunger. We were at war. I came to a halt in front of the small bathroom. The noise, something behind the shower curtain. A fear heightened, and the images of the enemy flooded my mind. Merciless beasts wearing human skin, devouring indiscriminately, accepting no pleas, no respecting arguments. Zombies. It had begun as we expected with the virus. The original infected were almost a cliche, and there was no humanity left in them. Just mindless rage, twisted bodies, and some primal urge to consume others. Our generation had prepared with almost obsessive focus for this monster. first wave was eradicated with almost laughable ease we weren't prepared for adaptation however we weren't prepared for the creature we bred by destroying the instantly recognizable zombie a creature with perhaps a little more tact most of the first zombies were killed at pretty close range you understand since longer range attacks were less likely to be fatal we had even trained ourselves even long before the outbreak to equate infection with death when it came to zombies a person died when their eyes clouded over and they started biting not when you put a bullet in their head the new strain of the virus still controlled the body yes but it left other faculties to the host maybe you could perhaps pull a trigger on a hopelessly crazed caricature of your very own best friend and your spouse your child perhaps but but what if there was still a soul behind those eyes even if even if they attacked this sobbed and screamed in their own voices all the virus needed was a moment's hesitation i bet you would hesitate i, I did 
which is why now I, I could only watch as my arm wrenched back the shower curtain and my hands reached for that cowering child. Why I could only beg for forgiveness before the virus used my mouth to tear ragged, bloody hunks from his body. Why I couldn't even vomit as my hunger dissipated with the now sickeningly familiar taste of human flesh. We were at war. Nay, I am the enemy. Alright guys, so this was 7 short tales of horror stories provided by these reddit users. They are amazing, shout out to them. You must go check out more stories actually by them. And yeah, I mean reddit is a great uh, social media platform after all. <coughs> so yeah, I mean I enjoyed coming over here to Prithvi's podcast uh, platform and then like narrating stories and it was actually fun because this i've never done this before ever in my life and this is like my first time narrating a story like yo i don't know how many other people are gonna listen to this i mean like and i hope you all just like love it and if there was any flaws by my side excuse me but because this is my first time and yeah and also do support him because he's actually tried a really like he's actually tried a lot for this like he is actually working hard for this because he loves to do this shit i mean this is one thing which he can enjoy and i even i can enjoy because this is fun making podcasts art yeah, making podcasts is fun so yeah anyway thanks for the uh, words of flattery my friend uh, that was really nice uh, anyways huge shout out and huge thanks to my boy Rohit over here couldn't have done without you man anyways I really hope that we did justice to these uh, stories narrations and um, I really really enjoyed today's session it wasn't as long as it was uh, on the previous day but uh, I really hope that you guys enjoyed it how, god knows how many of you are listening to this but how many ever this is whatever I want to put out so anyways uh, do check out Rohit's Instagram handle at the rate underscore Rohit Shankar underscore and do support him and his career he is an up and coming photographer and videographer anyways this has been real fun Rohit thank you once again hey you're welcome man anyways uh, you're listening to the real deal podcast I'm your host Prithvi signing out <laughs>